Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm your host, Paula Thomas, and if you work in loyalty marketing, join me every week to learn the latest ideas from loyalty specialists around the world. This episode is brought to you by Collinson. The pandemic has introduced major disruption to our lives and spending habits. And these shifts are having a distinct impact on customers' loyalty to your brand. As experts in customer engagement and loyalty, Collinson can help you to harness your data for deeper customer understanding and adapt your customer strategy to successfully navigate uncertainty so that your loyalty program will continue to drive engagement and deliver new revenue streams. Make every interaction count. Visit collinsongroup.com to learn more. For today's interview, I was delighted to be joined in studio by Priyanka Lakani, Director for South Asia and Commercial Director for Middle East and Africa with Collinson. Priyanka and I had met a number of years ago when Collinson's global loyalty agency was known as ICLP. In 2018, ICLP rebranded to Collinson, following the consolidation of the company's loyalty, travel experiences, insurance and assistance businesses. And today, Collinson has 17 offices operating across 13 countries worldwide. In this discussion, Priyanka shared some incredible insights of loyalty being done extremely well some challenges we have running programs in the Middle East, as well as some fantastic suggestions for loyalty managers worldwide on the next big ideas for our industry. Some of these are just beginning to emerge, and others are already being used by brave brands to differentiate themselves and try something new in this pandemic and post-pandemic world. So, without further ado, I'd like to welcome Priyanka Lakani to Let's Talk Loyalty. So Priyanka, please tell me, what is your favorite loyalty statistic? Um, so it's, it's funny, right? Because being in the loyalty industry, you always have people asking me two types of questions. One is that, does loyalty work? Okay, okay. Brilliant. And the second is about, <laughs> which is your favorite loyalty program? And oh. which one is the most successful, right? Yeah. So um, so I think um, I'll, I'll try and address it in those two ways. Okay. Uh, I think there's enough stats out there to tell, um, you know, loyalty works. If either you look at Amazon, you look at Starbucks, you look at Tesco, they all talk about how members spend four times more, three times more. Yes. Sometimes even nine times more. I know, amazing. Right? So yeah, yeah. I think there's enough stat out there to, to show that loyalty does work when done correctly. Okay. But I think one stat that really caught my interest recently was the one in Harvard Business um, Review that talked about that um, the loyalty leaders grow revenue two and a half times faster than their counterparts. Oh, lovely. And I think this is quite significant given that currently the race that's on in terms of owning the customer experience and that being the ultimate battleground. Yes. So it's not just about saying that I've got loyalty right. Well, but how soon have you got it right? Right. So I think that's very critical. 
critical as well. Yeah, yeah. So to those who are still wondering and thinking about <laughs> should I do a loyalty program, that yeah. would be my yeah. key stat to look at. Okay. And for those who are talking about, you know, which is the best program out there and yes. which is the one that really drives and what do you think um, success means? And yeah. I think this is where um, I put on a bit more of a diagnostic mindset. Okay, right? brilliant. And I don't think there is one program that's right for all. It's you've okay. got to see it from yeah. a point of view. Is, is the program right for the customer? And mm. then is it right for the business? Mm. And that balance is what is what I define totally. as a successful program. Yeah. So I would look at um, what is the penetration of the program okay. in terms brilliant. of the brand's turnover. Okay. And the second thing we look at nice. often is what is the breakage of the program. Okay. Now, breakage is a key stat that always people think about breakage and then think liability. Oh, but that's totally. really for my finance guys. Why totally. do I need to look at it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But I think it's critical for a loyalty marketeer to ensure that their breakage is not too high. Okay. Because if it is too high, yeah. what, it re- what it reflects is that your program mm-hmm. isn't really being used by your members, yeah, right? And yeah. that sort of defeats the purpose of the future potential and so on that it can have. Mm. So these are the two key ones, I would say, okay, brilliant. that I look at. Brilliant, brilliant. And okay. I love the perspective you have, Priyanka, and I was looking at your own website, actually. So, um, you know, incredible, in fact, you know, a billion dollars worth of revenue, 1,400 bank clients, 90 plus airlines, 20 plus hotel groups, and 400 million plus consumers. <laughs> so Absolutely. a bit of perspective there. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I consider myself very fortunate that I've had the opportunity to spend two decades of my career with Collins and working with these leading brands um, uh, in the region, helping them achieve their, um, uh, you know, their goals in terms of building their best, most profitable, uh, their relationships with their most profitable customers. Sure. Um, So uh, so I feel very fortunate. And I think what sets Collins apart Mm -hmm. is, as you've highlighted, you know, it's not just about designing programs and running programs for our clients, yeah. but we ourselves um, run and operate the world's largest lounge program called Priority Pass. Okay, sure. And um, that's um, uh, probably the reason you also see that we have direct relationships with our customers as well. Okay. So we're very well entrenched in the travel sector and we understand that quite intimately because we are a travel business in that aspect. Yeah. But what really adds value to our customers is yeah. that in doing so, we yeah. understand our mass affluent and affluent traveler segment really well. Oh. Right. Yeah. Which yeah. to any brand, whether mm. you look at a retail brand or a financial services or the others, your ultimate most profitable customer is that same customer. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I'd love to just pick up on the breakage point, Priyanka, because I do think it's one of the ones that I think throughout most of my career I really struggled with. Um, and there is the debate where the loyalty people are often driving, you know, the engagement, the redemption, the usage with the very clear vision of the added value, whereas the finance people are kind of going, well, hang on a second, that's a very expensive strategy. So what would you say would be, you know, a good um, breakage? So I know you do lots in airlines, I know you do lots in retail, but like if you were brought in with your diagnostic hat on mm-hmm. to um, to assess, let's say, the performance of a program you're not looking at, where, at what point would the alarm bells go off, would you say, you know, just in terms of percentage of usage, putting you on the spot now? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and just off the top of your head, you yeah, know? Um, I mean, as you've rightly said, Paula, I think the breakage stats do vary from industry to industry, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, uh, if you look at retail, and in particular, you look at supermarket retail, you yeah. would expect the breakage to be super low. And the reason yeah. I would say that is yeah. because it's an everyday need product. Sure. And there's no reason for your members to earn points and miles or rewards and yeah. not be able to use them, okay. right? Yeah. Um, so if you if you have if you're not in the um, north of 60, 70, 80 plus, okay. then there is definitely something wrong okay. with the program, good, right? Good. Yeah, that's brilliant. But when you look at more travel-based programs, those are slightly different yeah. because travel, while I may have accumulated my points yeah. or my miles yeah. during my flights and everything, yeah. there may not be a need for an imminent travel okay, or sure. may not, not be an availability. You know, mm. there's a limitation in terms of inventory and the others okay. as well, okay. which drives some of the things. So, so okay. the targets there, we probably don't look at in as aggressive a way as you would look at some of the mass okay. retail yeah. um, industries or financial okay. services even and for that matter, mm. right? Um, and that's where we're seeing a big segue because um, all programs are beginning to realize that mm. if my members are not using yeah. one of the most reasons why they join the program, then yeah. that's a challenge. That okay. means my ability to be able to influence, my ability to be able to drive mm. that two and a half times faster revenue, yes. my ability to test and learn and do all of those other things that loyalty, yes. successful loyalty programs bring with them will yeah. be fairly limited. Okay. So a growing trend that we are seeing is um, a lot of brands embracing of redemptions outside of their ecosystem. Ooh, you know? okay. Um, yeah. So you do, re- uh, you know, see in a lot yeah. of the airline programs, for example, and I'll, I'll quote Etihad Guest more um, oh, cool. as the one that we have recently onboarded onto our yeah. uh, redemption platforms, where um, you can redeem your Etihad Guest miles for yeah. a number of different merchandise, okay. right? Okay. Um, and uh, you can, uh, the, I think that in a recent interview that Kim had as well yes. with you, she talked about how they had onboarded um, redemptions as being one of the key tactics they used to drive engagement during the pandemic. Absolutely. Right? So it's been a real asset to these programs yeah. Uh, yeah. where they have leveraged it to drive, obviously, a lower breakage. Sure. They've used it to drive engagement during the down yeah. period, but yeah. they have also ensured yeah. that they're using it to drive more emotional loyalty. Mm. Uh, wow. And you know what that really reminds me of Priyanka and and it's a point I make a lot of the time on the show but it is around the integrity of the program. So you know for Etihad guests to say okay you might not be able to travel for who knows how long or want to um, but here's another way that we can add value because you've earned it. So let's give it back. So to me there is a huge discrepancy probably historically hopefully everybody is kind of catching up as you said but this whole idea of we want these people to be loyal to us but you know, at what point do we realize we have to be loyal back to them? So so that's a beautiful example. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, when you look at some of these redemption opportunities, and if you really um, look at those initiatives to mm. try and drive it as a real asset to your program. So yeah, yeah. as an example, you know, I mean, um, uh, in one of our stores, uh, you had the Sony PlayStation that was launched, oh, right? Cool. Yeah. And it was, um, uh, it was available only on e-commerce side. It wasn't even available in store oh, yet. Oh, my goodness. And we made it available on some of our redemption platforms, which meant those brands were able to go to their customers and really created a happy message about, you know, here's your chance to use your points to get you something that uh, you others don't have or can't get until they actually use this thing. So I think it's how you leverage these assets to try and drive all of those other objectives that you have out of your loyalty program. And you know what's very clever about that strategy, Priyanka, as well, because, and I don't know, you know, how it all works operationally, but I can imagine if I was 
a PlayStation brand owner, what would I want? Yes, of course, to get into stores where people are waiting for it. But what about the media and the marketing value mm -hmm. of having a beautiful brand like Etty had, telling everybody how how you know exclusive you can get that product in the store? So so I love that kind of benefit for the brand and for the product as well. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah, and it, it allows you to take then um, you know. Um, so if you look at a banking and a finance program, right? I yeah. mean. Uh, very few of us really get excited about our bank. <laughs> right. I'm afraid so. <laughs> yeah, it's a very functional need that yeah. it fulfills and everything. So yeah. I think, particularly in financial services programs, yeah. leveraging this kind of a brand value that helps you create the aspirational aspect, yes. which you wouldn't be able to create just by using your brand. Yes, right. Yeah. So I think that those are you know they are great assets to tap into. Lovely, lovely. Yeah, and you mentioned emotional loyalty, Priyanka, and again that's something that comes up on the show a lot of the time. Are you hearing a lot of brands ready for that, as you said, aspirational or emotional aspect and moving beyond the, the functional stuff we've been doing in the past? Yeah, I think um, most brands are getting to that point where, cool. you know, it's it's been a long debated topic, so I don't yeah. think it's a new one. And okay. if you go back to really, really back when mm -hmm. loyalty existed, but in a very different way, where you yeah. went to your grocer because you knew the person and, you know, he knew you. And when you were yeah. shopping there, he would talk about, you know, how's the family and how's your kids and how your <laughs> yeah. things and stuff, right? Yeah. That got replaced with this mass farm of loyalty. Yes. So it is, um, you know, uh, and brands have tried to obviously uh, tackle it through personalization through, you know, mm -hmm. almost to the segment of one to yeah. over uh, hyper-personalization, should I say, and everything. Yeah. But there's still that uh, portion in terms of the humanization of it all, right? And yes. how do you combine and bring that element into it? And I think that's critical to that emotional loyalty. Yeah. And um, as we all know, the, the next set of consumers who are coming into the fray right now, the millennials and the totally. Gen Z and the others, are more about the experience and more about that yes. emotion that you strike than just the functional relationship you have. Absolutely. Um, so my uh, my view on these uh, on, on emotional loyalty is um, there are some brands that I've seen that who often think emotional loyalty means associating with the cause and that's where sure. it starts and stops. CSO, yeah. um, or they think emotional loyalty is that, you know, selecting a select few customers and doing something personal for them. Mm. Whereas I believe emotional loyalty is a little bit more than that. Okay. It is really bringing it in your day-to-day -day yeah. and into every way that you speak about the program. So okay. something very functional, very basic mm. can be made emotional mm. if you really apply it in the right way. Mm. An example I'd like to quote is a bank. Okay. A leading brand here, yeah. um, uh, you know, um, in the Middle East. Okay. And um, uh, I remember uh, my relationship manager calling me up, okay. um, you know, a few weeks before my birthday okay. and proactively telling me um, about that you've got X number of miles sitting into your account, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and um, we've got fantastic uh, ways in which you can use it. You mm -hmm. know, you can use for shopping at Harvey Nichols. You can use it for mm -hmm. uh, redemption for these restaurant vouchers. So mm -hmm. if there's anything that you feel that, you know, we can do to help you out and everything, I'll be happy, uh, able to yeah. organize that for you or for you to just, you know, log on to our website and be able to claim your redemptions. Yes. And I think just the timing, yeah. the relevance of it and everything, I think that creates, it's a very simple incentive totally. um, initiative that most programs have, but yeah. it's just how you've utilized it to recognize that, okay, these are the brands she shops at yeah. because you can see my financial data, yeah. knowing that I have so many points and you can actually make a good redemption out of it, yeah. right? So yeah. 
um, I, I think it's just that personalization, that uh, that humanization of it as well that yes. you could do is yes. uh, really brings that emotional loyalty to its uh, to surface. Do you know? And so many people, Priyanka, say you know they talk about relevance, um, mm. and, and very rarely do I hear such a clear example of somebody. And we know obviously it's not possible to call every single customer. Yeah. Um, so great that you have that relationship manager, but to go the extra mile and I think creating awareness of your entitlement is also something I've not heard before because and it and it reminded me I just made a note here it happened in my local supermarket so it's not a big brand here in the Middle East but again I'm quoting like my husband's loyalty number all of the time wondering kind of what will we ever get anything and again kind of too busy to ever go and do the homework and check yeah. myself but then a couple of months ago somebody at the till said by the way are you aware you're entitled to a reward so this is how you go about doing it so mm-hmm. so I think a lot of loyalty programs miss that hand holding step mm-hmm. so you know that and I'm sure somebody's mapped it out in a framework but clearly you know yeah. you've experienced it and I'm sure yeah. you're telling all of your clients but that first redemption is um, the real moment of truth that you kind of have to bring through yeah absolutely I mean even um, you know for brands like for example when we talk about Visa or MasterCard right they yeah. don't have the direct relationship with the consumers and I think yeah. equally they have this opportunity. So I'll quote another example, which was um, I was at um, uh, Harvey Nichols and uh, debating between two pairs of shoes, which one to take, which one wouldn't. The sales <laughs> lady question. was obviously uh, I know. <laughs> wasn't quite helpful. She was like, yeah. oh, they both look fantastic. Take them both, you sure. know. Yeah. And I was getting to the point, I'm like, I really do like them more than I yes. do want to take them both. But I had set my mind that, okay, my mm. budget is for one, so yeah. I'm going to take one. And yeah. I went to the cashier and I was about, uh, you know, um, uh, settling my bill and uh, I was using my Visa card. So when I swiped it and everything, they said, you know, you have X number of rewards available Ooh. if you should you want to redeem it. <laughs> Lo and behold, the second issue was sold, you know. But it's really bringing it to the forefront where at the time and at the moment of the experience as well. So I think it's awareness. Yes. Um, uh, It's it's awareness of what your entitlements are. And then it's how do you make that and how easily do you make them available as well, right? Sure. Yeah. Uh, Another area that I do think that often brands um, uh, miss is that... um, they, they leave a lot of this communication to the very end. So yeah. your miles or points are almost about to expire. Yes. And then two weeks before that, you get a communication saying, by the way, if you don't use it up in two weeks, they're gone. <laughs> oh, my God. It's horrifying because it, it, puts, it, it creates so much of stress. <laughs> totally. Because you know? yeah. all of a sudden you feel like you've done all this hard work. Yeah. And all of a sudden your thinking caps are on and you're thinking, okay, how am I going to use this? And where do I use it? And what's yeah. the best value? And I just feel it's such a negative experience. You're totally right. Um, so, yeah. so I think there's a, that there are lots of opportunities in the simple aspects of the program, even if you before you do the bigger initiatives to really drive value yeah. and be uh, relevant and really yeah. connect with your consumers. Totally. And also what I love what you just talked about there is that person at the point of sale yeah. um, was clearly very well trained. Yeah. So, um, and I've often said on the show, I really resist loyalty programs if they're badly executed. So I might see them and professionally be interested in joining, but unless somebody in a store can articulate articulate why I should join, I kind of feel like they don't deserve my loyalty. <laughs> I'm like, that loyalty manager who built this program obviously haven't trained them very well. So um, so I love the yeah. visa example. That's amazing. 
Thank you. <laughs> Great, yeah. cool. And because we are both in the Middle East, and again, you've already mentioned two decades with, with the Collinson Group under mm -hmm. its various brand names, what would you say the Middle East does well? And again, you've got lots of airline clients, you've got lots of retail clients. I'd love just to showcase because lots of my listeners are actually in the United States, so they wouldn't mm -hmm. know how loyalty works in this part of the world. So I'd love to give your perspective. You've worked with so many of the programs here. Yeah. So, so Middle East has been quite different compared to some of the other markets. Mm. This, uh, and I say that because uh, in many markets, you'll see normally a prevalent coalition currency, right? So sure. yeah. you will see, for example, if you go to UK, you have Nectar, you go to yeah. um, uh, uh, to Canada, you've got Air Miles. You yeah. know, so you've got different variations of yeah. these coalition programs. But um, while there are some softer, lighter versions of those such programs mm -hmm. in this particular region, if you look at it, the, the programs here, each one of them is quite sizable mm. and um, it's usually run and operated by a very large business holding in a group right mm. so they are into multiple industries and into multiple verticals so you would yeah. take one program that is actually a retail program as well mm. but it also needs to be an F&B program it also mm. needs to be an entertainment program it also needs to be a shopping mall program right so, yeah, yeah. so you've got that unique um, aspect to yeah. loyalty in this part of the world that yeah. probably isn't as big in the other parts yeah yeah. Um, and I think in some ways it's allowed um, uh, it's allowed clients and brands to really leapfrog into that bringing that really high value proposition to the consumer mm -hmm. where they can paint a very good story to say that you earn at these places, you can redeem at these places and you can do all of these things, right? Yeah. But I think the opportunity still exists mm. in terms of that while you've got intrinsically a coalition style, which is the yeah. benefits of having multiple yeah. sectors into it um, and the insights and the data that tell you what your customers are doing with you, mm. I think there's a real opportunity for these brands to really look at how do I get a far better and a more rounded view of my customers beyond just what they do with me, yeah, right? Yeah. And that's a unique problem to them because mm. in, the, uh, in other markets and regions, if there was a brand who wanted to do that, mm. Okay, I'm a retailer. I'll mm. go and you know partner join hands with, with partner with uh, yeah. Yeah. somebody who is not uh, conflicting to my or, thing, yeah. right? So yeah. it was easier, and then I would get a more rounded view and stuff. Yeah. Here, I think there's real challenge because yes. who do I go to who is non-conflicting? Totally. Okay? Yeah. And I think this is where linking um, things to you know um, to your financial services or having card linked to rewards is mm. probably a good way to tackle that particular problem. Okay. Where yes, you have behaviors in your. Yes. Um, this thing, but getting your customers to give them the opportunity to link their yeah. membership with a credit card or your co-brand card so yeah. that you can actually see everything else beyond as well that they, they do okay. with okay. that thing is probably a nice way for yeah. these brands to learn deeper. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, um, uh, contrary to several years ago where, um, you know, collecting data and understanding data and how do we mine data was a challenge. Mm -hmm. Today we've moved, you know, okay. a big, um, uh, we've taken big uh, leapfrogged into uh, that stage where okay. data is now easily available. We have technology mm -hmm. that's easily available. Okay. And, um, you know, the, a recent McKinsey uh, study was just showing that 75% of the consumers have changed their behaviors in the past, mm -hmm. um, uh, totally. they, you know, yeah. in the past yeah. year due to the pandemic, yeah. but it has allowed brands to really understand them quite quickly yeah. because they were either geared up or already gearing up towards that transformation, For right? Sure. Yeah. So given all of these things, you've already got the tools there, which means mm -hmm. that 
mm-hmm. and making using not just your data but the beyond your industry okay. data is really the critical aspect in terms of the next battle okay. and the next asset that you need to create and oh, build. Okay, we heard it here first, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's absolutely true. And um, I, I did one research study last week in terms of an interview, and I'm doing a very big one also today. In fact, recording and the whole concept around share of wallet, exactly what you're talking about, Priyanka. That's exactly what I think loyalty programs around the world need to understand. And just again for listeners who mightn't be familiar with the groups here, I'm trying to think. I think there's at least what three or four big kind of programs, as you said, that are within a holding company that offer the breadth and depth of potential. But um, I do also think there's still a bit of a, a brand challenge for them, whereas they might lead with you know some incredible retail brands, but actually the loyalty brand hasn't been communicated to the extent perhaps. So I do think that that's an opportunity as well. Yeah, indeed. I think I think the loyalty brand is, uh, you know, for a lot of these companies, um, they're different independent brands, whether yeah. it's retail, whether it's automotive, and the totally. others obviously do their job in terms of what they've been doing for yeah. a number of yeah. years. Yeah. The loyalty program is the only thing that has brought all of it together and the ability for the group to be able to position to say, yeah. this is everything that I offer to you. Yes. Right? Yeah. And we've seen some successful um, uh, uh, initiatives that people have taken. So I think the fact that they have, mm. many of them have chosen to give their loyalty programs a different brand to their group brand has yes. really helped, you okay, know, sure. because it allows it to give it an identity and allows yeah. it to disassociate with one particular brand yes. within the group. Mm. But I think in terms of really leveraging it and mm. doing the last mile in terms of the communications in terms yeah. of the prominence in terms of the ownership yeah. in terms of the marketing of that brand yes. and everything it encompasses yes. has been fairly limited yeah. so yeah. I think there's certainly a big opportunity there for brands to really really totally. yeah. um, leverage their programs mm. to create that fantastic story that they have to say to their consumers yeah yeah. and you reminded me as well and it's just something I feel I suppose very passionate about having discovered the power of podcasting I really believe that a big opportunity for all programs is not even just the brand piece of the loyalty program but the style of communication like I again had a show on here recently and it's a beauty brand and they have a podcast in Australia mm-hmm. and I was blown away by that I was like that's a very innovative way for a loyalty program or even for the brand actually it's not just within the loyalty program so I think you're absolutely right the, the brands here they, they've created that cohesive piece and now there's a big opportunity to explain to it to really market it to totally, really take it to, you totally. know, to explain and what it means, what yes. are the benefits, and to, yeah. um, and in some ways also to bring that relevance, right? So yeah. to the topic that we were discussing earlier, yeah. with a lot of these, uh, well, with a lot of these programs, they've become a lot more about mass communication. So yes. you're hearing about everything and anything. That mm-hmm. level of personalization still hasn't come to the point where yeah. you know me intimately. You're talking to me on a one-to-one level, yeah. and I think that's a real opportunity with them to mm. be, um, to be truly intrinsic to everything that gets communicated to the group. Yeah. I think they still yeah. work in silos. Yes. So you will receive a communication from one of the totally. partner brands, which will have <laughs> no association to anything to do with the loyalty program. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I think keeping loyalty at the center of the of the organization, at the yeah. center of all your decision making, and the center yeah. of all your customer relationship yeah. is quite critical if you really want yeah. to 
see it as a full asset. And I and I, I do think people understate loyalty sometimes. You know, I mean, if you every time if you <laughs> uh, if, if you look at um, airline programs in the U.S., you know, the yeah. the asset that they have created with their frequent flyer programs, yeah, um, uh, to the extent where eighty percent of the points and the miles that are earned in the program are funded by partners. Wow. You know, to the extent where these programs are far more profitable sometimes than the actual airline itself. We've seen it in the case of Qantas, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And we've seen the recent use of where mm. people have used those assets truly to take out mortgages and yes. stuff, right? So yeah, yeah. in terms of fully evaluating it and seeing what the, it is the true book value yeah. of those programs. And yeah. that's the potential you have. And yeah. that's the reason if yeah. I think the other industries have got a lot to learn from FFPs that if For you sure. do not make it in the front and the center mm. of your business, yes. that's the opportunity you're losing. It's totally. not just that one single relationship. It's yeah. the true asset that your business has. You're yeah. not leveraging that yeah. completely. Well, I can see how your clients must love hearing this, Priyanka, because I think as loyalty professionals, we all feel it. We're yeah. perhaps frustrated and maybe don't articulate it sufficiently powerfully as you've just done. And it's the first time I've heard that incredible statistic of 80% in the US, for example, of an FFP might come from uh, from partner points. And if we can explain that again in this region or anywhere we're doing business as loyalty professionals, that just shows we're, we're probably just tip, tip of the iceberg at yeah, the moment. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, our, uh, another thing, initiative that that is, again, worth looking into is that mm. something we did with Emirates. Um, okay. Um, so in the last year, obviously, with the pandemic, again, yeah, yeah. Um, um, as most airlines are, you know, Emirates uh, had the challenge in terms of people are not flying and customers sure. are not flying. Yeah. And if they're not flying, they're not earning. And yeah. if they're not earning miles, then obviously it puts a lot of things at risk for a, for a brand, right? It's mm. their future um, uh, revenue potential. Totally. Besides the customer engagement as well during that period, right? So yeah. why would the co-brands pay what they pay to the airlines for sure. if the customers are not flying and they're mm. not engaging. So you really have a need to protect both from a business and commercial mm-hmm. reason point mm-hmm. of view, but also from your customers' yeah. um, uh, uh, point of view. So with with that in mind, you know, they launched, the, we helped them launch an earn mall okay. with almost 50 brands onboarded onto it, nice. right? So we're, okay. um, yes, you're not flying, but that doesn't mean we're not living, right? So okay. let's make it, um, uh, you know, uh, let's earn scoured miles for all your shopping that you do, whether it's in H&M, there's got Bloomingdale's, and uh, we've got wow. stores in the UK, the yeah. US, and now more recently in the UAE, we've onboarded about another 50 brands onto it. So okay. I think that's uh, that's an excellent opportunity Love again it. for brands to yeah. really look at yeah. ways in which they can yeah. drive and further this mm-hmm. engagement because all of this goes to add up mm-hmm. you know, to the value of your program totally. to the consumer the and stickiness. to the value as well. Yeah. And, yeah. and in that example, Priyanka, and the Emirates Mall, is that for offline retail, for example, in H&M or online? Is it an affiliate model or is it the offline? So uh, so the, the model we've onboarded for them right now is the affiliate model because okay. it allows yeah. us to get these brands onboarded quite quickly, Super quickly. and it gives full flexibility yeah. to, the, uh, to, the, uh, to the members to go and shop for whatever they like. It's not not restricted to certain merchandise or anything, so you just go online yeah. and you shop. Yeah. And uh, I think, uh, given the given again the recent pandemic, you can already see that online behaviors have improved significantly. Totally. Right. I mean, yeah. it has yeah. uh, done for the e-commerce industry what it couldn't do for ten years. Right. So that's really what <laughs> overnight success. Ten years uh, and an overnight exactly. success. Exactly. And, and, yeah. and, yeah. and I don't think these learned behaviors are going to change. Right. Yeah. Most of these behaviors are going to stick on. We've changed yes. fundamentally in the way we order groceries. It's changed fundamentally. 
differently yeah, in the way yeah, we yeah. shop, right? So yeah. I think that's going to um, stay on. So I think it's yeah. a step in the right direction mm-hmm. with less operational challenges than mm-hmm. you would have to do if you are talking about yes. in-store partnership and custom partnerships mm-hmm. for each and every one of yeah, them. Yeah, because yeah. I've, I've done that and yeah. that is that is extremely yeah. I mean, time-consuming. You know, 50 brands yeah. in the, in the, the, without the affiliate model onboarding, that would probably be a good 10 years exactly. <laughs> to, to get them live, up and running with everything working, yeah. right? But in this model, it's allowed them to do this yeah. uh, in a matter of three months. Wonderful. So, oh my goodness. Okay, well, I'll definitely go yeah. and check that one out. Yeah. And my other favorite one that Emirates have done as well, Priyanka, because I was just reviewing the show I did with Emirates with Dr. Najib yeah. last year. And I really love how that the Skywards currency is fully integrated in the core booking engine. Yeah. So as long as I identify myself and log in, um, I can either do the cash plus miles, which again, I'm sure all the US carriers have probably had for a very long time. But I think it's the first time I've actually been able to see immediate value to make a part payment. And that journey is just incredible. And, and it, it speaks highly of exactly why, the, you know, coming back to our whole point around breakage, mm, right? Yeah, yeah. Why is it? So if you look at leading brands, if you look at leading programs, yeah. they are interested in redemption. They're interested yes. in the moment of the, because they have realized the value that it generates yes. when you do that. Yeah. And I um, uh, and um, having this fully incorporated addresses a number of challenges, right? One mm-hmm. is about awareness. So mm-hmm. even if customers weren't aware that they could do yeah. um, all of these um, other redemptions, but if you are in your booking path and you are booking a ticket and exactly. it asks you the question there at the right time right? Yes. Yeah. so it brings that uh, that awareness as well and then obviously yeah, the redemption that is the desired behavior that we need yeah. um, and making it as available and as accessible because you know it is the hard earned currency totally. that members are working hard, very hard to work towards yeah um, uh, you know, deviating a bit from the from the currency side of it, I think okay. one of the other things that is quite important as well and gets um, uh, uh, questioned a lot is the role the benefits play, you know, okay. that our members in the programs, is everybody a points chunky and is everybody in yeah. this program for that? And yeah. um, should we do points or should we do benefits and yeah. which one is more important than the other? Yeah. Uh, is again a key thing and I think uh, um, again some programs have done that really well um, as we were talking about the millennials yeah. and the experience economy that is totally. coming about yes. right yep. it is all about the experience I have with the brand mm. so while points rewards incentives are very important mm-hmm. it is equally important in terms of how, what relevance are you giving to them in terms of benefits so yeah. I've had yeah. conversations with say airlines in some instances mm. where they've said on this particular sector we have a lot of um, uh, passengers who are really interested in the excess baggage ah. and that being a okay. key benefit. Of course. But at the same time, yeah. you know, it's um, uh, benefits like upgrades mm. being the most desired. My I mean, <laughs> I've, I've had friends, yeah. you know, in, in, in social environments and everything. They, yeah. They've talked about, you know, hey, you know, it always starts about, you know, I've got so many miles and this is what I'm going to do and I got my free flight, yeah. this is bus yeah. tickets and everything. Yeah. And you, when you um, speak to them about, okay, what got you to really change your behavior what got you to really do something different that you may not have driven and it was not need-based. And um, uh, one of my friends who's an investment banker, he said, I actually take flights from um, uh, Dubai to Delhi just so that I have enough status miles so that I can keep my platinum tier. And I'm like, why? (laughs) 
So he's like, well, it's the benefits that obviously the, yeah. the platinum tier gives you. But My it's goodness. the fact that if I book a business class ticket and yeah. if there's a seat available in first, they will actually upgrade me to first. Amazing. And that to me is a fantastic experience, right? So yeah. it's 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 these all these little things that you can yeah. do in a program to really drive that behavior. Yeah. And um, uh, really the, the, the point I guess I'm driving home is that mm. it's not about one or the other. Yeah. It is about how do you use your different assets in yeah. the right combinations to create that relevance, yeah. right? Yeah. So how do you use your third-party redemptions in a way yes. that you create that loyalty? How do you use your benefits in a way yeah. where some are um, obviously structured and announced and as yeah. part of the package and stuff, but yeah. equally some are as... Um, uh, at the time of need rather of than course. all packaged up, you yeah, know, and it's yeah. really working your program Yeah, in that sense. Um, another key trend that I, that, that, that I see coming up is also the concept of subscription programs because I think it leads really to well ask. to about the yeah, yeah. benefits yeah. Um, is uh, the, the increased desire for people to pay a premium to yeah. get that added, added benefit. Sure. And I think the very few programs that have really tapped on the yes. uh, both the commercial potential, totally. but also your ability to strike that real right chord yes. with your consumers, yeah. right? Yeah. And um, uh, so with subscription programs, I mean, in some instances, we've seen that mm -hmm. they have the potential to generate almost second um, uh, highest revenue just next to your co-brands. My goodness. That's the potential that they have. And I think many yeah. have not fully tapped it yet. I think Amazon is a great example of it. Amazon Prime has done fantastically well in terms of tapping that subscription model. For sure. And many are following suit now. Yeah. Uh, but I think the legacy programs have still not quite uh, got in there yet. So that's, again, another trend I think they should be really um, looking yeah. at. Yeah. You're absolutely right. That's probably one of the ones I'm most passionate about uh, because I'm doing doing a lot of writing about programs. Um, a favorite example I had was Panera Bread, which is a, a cafe chain in the US with like two and a half thousand stores. And they have 800,000 people subscribing to unlimited coffee for $9 a month. And certainly for me as well, even last week, I was speaking at a loyalty event, I think, as you know, and I said, look, exactly the mm. same point. Subscription is the next big thing. And a lot of eyebrows went up in the room. But for me, it's absolutely on brand for a pandemic. Mm. For uncertainty, it's actually when customers really feel, I just want to know that I've got that, you know, decision yeah. made, whether it's washing my car or or whatever. But um, and I know the airlines are, are absolutely going the same way. Mm. But I really think it's it's as you said, a huge big opportunity for everybody. Yeah, and and, and I think the, the um, uh, you know if you take subscription programs to a next level as well, they yeah. bring that element of excitement where yeah. you can see um, you know a lot of the subscription programs are about that you will get a goodie bag, but what will be in the goodie bag is not known, right? Yeah, yeah. And it is the excitement of not knowing that surprise that yeah. people are also willing to commit to. So it's using the, um, you yeah. know, the elements of that as well to try mm. and drive that whole picture. Yeah. I think uh, one of the one of the areas that uh, we were talking to a few brands about was how we leverage Collinson assets. So, okay. um, you know, Collinson yeah. has got a lounge network. Yeah. And how we've used our lounge network mm -hmm. as one of the key benefits, um, along with some of the new um, products that we've launched called um, ID Sentry or ID Protection. So okay. what ID Protection is, is basically it monitors your identity in the dark web. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, and I think any program that has got significant customer data should be looking at this. Wow, Because yes. your benefits are not just experience-related benefits that what you do with the airline, but it's about ensuring to your uh, 
and telling yeah. your customers as well that your data is super protected. Yeah, yeah. We've heard about how many programs who have had uh, yeah. been attacked. You know, Marriott, for example, Cyber was a, yeah. um, a, a big one. And once those programs attacked, all that data gets sold into the dark web. Yes. So um, what the ID Sentry product does is it monitors your data on mm. the dark web. And mm. if that is found into the dark web, then it notifies you. Yeah. Um, so we ag- we work with a number of aggregators who are the strongest in terms of dark web monitoring okay. and we put it together into a singular platform. Okay. So again, it's one of the a very highly desired benefit for a brand to be able to go to the consumers and say mm. that you are sharing so much with me. Yeah. You are telling me so much about yourself, not just what you do with me, but also yeah. beyond. Yeah. And I am giving you... Um, uh, confident that your data is well taken care of yes. not only will it be not be misused but yeah. i'm also giving you tools and yeah. uh, privileges that can help you track how your identity is uh, exposed yeah. if at all you okay. know while i do everything on my end yeah. we do know that people do leave things exposed and you know everything is on your phone and so on yeah. so we you know so um, some of the leading brands are talking to us about how we can bring the collinson assets around id protection yeah. around lounge and yeah. create some subscription models for them yes. where they bring into the table a few of their benefits okay. and bringing some of the surprise elements that we talked about yeah, bringing yeah. some of the de- most desired that when I am platinum or when I'm gold one of the most desired is that the rate at which I earn miles double up right of course. so it's how do we create a combination of this to create those really su- uh, powerful packages that okay. are subscription packages that people really want to yeah. um, subscribe to okay and you are you hearing interest from all sectors all verticals like like retail as well as, you know, the travel and hospitality that you're so well established in? Um, so d- definitely with the travel and hospitality okay. because they have yeah. been the leading edge in terms of loyalty programs, Always. right? So they have been able to really yeah. think um, uh, four steps ahead in terms of, yeah. uh, you know, how to, to be relevant. Mm. Um, and it is a sector that has been more um, challenged in that sense. You know, the retail brands are um, sort of in your face on an everyday basis. Most of them are in some shape or form, but travel struggles in that sense that, yeah. you know, yeah. they have to create that everyday purpose for you totally. so they have really used mm. their partnerships to drive those things so they are more interested in how can we take it to the next level yeah. and bring more value to our consumers mm. on an everyday basis as well mm. both um, on the day of travel before travel yeah. and outside of travel you know after yeah. travel as well so how do we conquer that complete experience for them and okay. that's where I think these subscription programs can be quite useful yeah. because um, uh, um, but I, I do see equally a value um, in retail as well to be able to offer those kind of benefits Mm. to your most valuable customers Mm. as we were talking about you know that your most valuable customers are probably the most frequent travelers as well yeah so a number of these benefits are equally relevant to them Mm. um uh, too Mm. absolutely my goodness yeah no that that's definitely a a huge topic and super exciting and again as a consumer i want those solutions you know and they just haven't come through in the vast majority of cases as yet so plenty more and just on the dark web stuff as well priya do you think loyalty managers in general are aware? Because I wasn't, if I'm honest. So the last loyalty conference I got to was was pre-COVID. And, uh, and one of the speakers was exactly talking about this. And I probably wasn't even aware of the concept of the dark web, you know, an internet that normal consumers are, are probably not even aware exists. Mm-hmm. So are you finding loyalty managers are aware that this kind of trading of data happens um, at such scale? 
Yeah, um, so I think uh, GDPR and um, the rules around GDPR has made a lot of um, data, data security, data ownership yes. um, uh, become the center topics for a number of loyalty managers, yeah. loyalty directors, or people, just marketeers, or yes. generally anybody who deals with data, right? Yeah. It's yeah. become into the forefront. But the intent and the extent of it, okay. um, people don't realize, right? Okay. So, yeah. um, they, you know, so they see it from a point of view, yes, we need to do permission marketing. The data belongs to the consumer. At the end of the day, we have have to do what we can. Mm. Um, people spend a lot, you know, even with the leading banks, uh, banks here, you talk to them yeah. and they send you emails about phishing attacks and so on. And oh they, they're creating all of these awareness, which is great. Yes. But at the end of the day, if yeah. my daughter wants a pair mm. of jeans from this new brand, which has just come in or a thrift store on Instagram that has po popped up yes. and she wants you to use my credit card, yeah. there's only so much the bank can do in terms of controlling how they store the data and how they manage the data, right? Sure. Yeah. So I think it's really taking it to that next step forward saying that I understand there's so much I can do in my environment I understand that mm. you you know I can create awareness within yourself but yeah. at the same time we're going to have these impulsive spends yes. so how do we take it to that next step and ensure yeah. we give you something that helps us monitor into that dark Amazing. web right so yeah. I think it's really understanding that full it's not just mm. saying oh I, I got their consent and the customer is happy to talk to yeah, me and, I, and, and my IT has got <laughs> it in the right servers yes. so everything is fixed right yeah. it's really not yeah. fixed no, uh -huh. no. And it'll never. And if anything, I think it'll become even more important. So we've seen it recently. The Irish Health Service, for example, was just hacked recently. Yeah. Not loyalty, but Ex the data is, is an unbelievable issue. So yeah. Um, yeah, that's definitely something to keep there. So um, it, looking forward, I suppose, then we've talked about so many um, ideas, which I love. Um, I love the redemption store that you talked about, for example, for, mm. for merchandise. I love the idea of subscription um, and I suppose the whole partnership a piece of, you know, really finding more ways for people to earn and redeem, I guess, um, you know, rather than just within our own ecosystem. What other things do you think we should be talking about or, or just bringing to people's attention um, that might be big ideas that they can think about for the future? Um, uh I, I think when uh, loyalty marketeers are thinking about their strategies mm. and um, uh, their programs, they need to think about symbiotic relationships as well. Okay. Today, if you look at many brands, you know, um, industries and verticals are converging. Yes. Where um, uh, Uber, which used to be a taxi um, hailing yeah. service, is now a payments company as well. Or, totally. you know, Kareem Pay with their, um, mm -hmm. uh, the, with their, with their payments uh, element to it. Yeah. You've got fintechs who are coming in and who are then becoming you've got super apps who are coming in where yeah. uh, the app becomes the channel for you to do everything for your shopping your payments Absolutely. your telcos and the others so the industries are really really being disrupted and I think it is the time for um, loyalty marketeers and for brands generally to be far more courageous in their thinking yeah. and to be far more brave mm. and not resist or be hesitant in forming those symbiotic partnerships and sometimes even with competing brands wow. for the right good okay. you know? so okay. I, I do think there is there are opportunities like that and unfortunately I can't remember an example okay. but uh, yeah. you know at some point uh, yeah. maybe in the future podcast and everything I'll yeah. be sure to bring those uh, yeah. to the table but I think that's that's where the opportunities exist and yeah. um, my um, uh, piece of advice to mm. to every loyalty market would be is um, be courageous 
be out there, try out new things. Yes. You know, you've yeah. got an uh, an engaged base of members which will allow you to learn soon and everything. So yeah. try new things. And if you have to fail, fail fast. That's okay. really okay. Um, yeah. the, the, the message I would um, take yeah. to them. Uh, and it's a, it's a lovely word, actually, Priyanka. And I don't often hear um, loyalty professionals talking about being courageous and being brave. So thank you for that. I think it's a lovely mm-hmm. intention. And and just to, to, to summarize the other point you made earlier as well, because I think for our whole community, it's important that we see ourselves and position ourselves as front and center. So this yeah. is exactly, I know, what you preach all of the time. So there's lots of different ways to impact customers. But if it's coming, as you said, in a disjointed way, you're missing half the benefits. So I think that that mindset of positioning yourself is, is really, really amazing. Yeah. And, and, you know, as we were discussing with the Emirates example, or yeah. today, if you see with the Fab example, you know, I mean, with yeah. Fab, we have just onboarded their um, online store and we've just relaunched the entire program as well. And what okay. we've seen is just in a matter of three to six months, yes. they've had as many um, uh, engagements as they would normally have in a year with their program. Wow. Right. Yeah. And the people who have engaged and who have redeemed or who have really interacted with the program has yes. really spent higher than the other wow. Wow. Um, uh, just members. Mm. You know, so it's not just about members and it's it's also about yes. um, that whole thing. And the reason they have been able to do this is yeah. because Fab has struck the right chord in terms of making loyalty as the center of it all. Okay. If you see their loyalty program, it's fully integrated into their channels, okay. right? So you yes. log on to Fab um, online and you yes. see that and straight away you can see your points balances. You can see what you can do with your points. And um, it's not just limited to just your card for portfolio. If you're opening up an account, if you're taking out mm-hmm. a loan, you know, so it's really yes. across the entire bank services. Yes. Um, and it is being utilized also to promote any of those positive behaviors, which is, you know, using the mobile app, mm-hmm. using more of the online channels, mm-hmm. um, trying to drive all the important business objectives, yes. not just the card objectives yes. of the bank. So yeah. I think this is really what I mean when you make loyalty at the center yeah. of, of your customer strategy where yeah. it becomes integral to everything and yeah. it's yeah. fully integrated in that sense. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure you'll do a case study on that as well, Priyanka, at some point. But for listeners who are, again, maybe not in the region, so Fab is First Abu Dhabi Bank. It is the biggest bank, I believe, here in the United Arab Emirates. And just from my own kind of um, anecdotal research, I know they did have lots of loyalty strategies, again, in different brands and, as you said, different parts of the business. But coming together under one dominant bank brand and taking that, as you said, holistic perspective of a single holistic relationship with the bank is clearly proving extraordinarily successful. Yes, absolutely. Wow, wow. Well, there's so much there, Priyanka. Um, The other key point I love that you made was around the flexibility piece because it comes back to my favorite value, which is around the integrity of our programs. Mm -hmm. And you started with that in terms of your breakage statistics. Mm -hmm. So as well as being courageous, I think be flexible. Um, And that positioning piece, I think, is what I'm hearing coming through. Um, Any other kind of closing words of wisdom you want to share with our listeners before we go? I would would say that, um, you know, we've... uh, Middle East has become in the center of a lot of innovation. You know, totally. we we're talking about yeah. how by 2030 we want to be um, 
or not even then, right? Yeah. Before that, we want to have drawn <laughs> yeah. uh, the um, driverless cars. We want yeah. to do all of these fantastic things. And I think yeah. Uh, yeah. the number of fintechs, the number of innovators, the entrepreneurs that are in this particular region yeah. puts us into a very unique space to do mm. some of the leading edge things. Yes. Um, and I'm really looking forward yeah. to see some of these exciting initiatives coming out from both our client programs, yes. uh, but equally from the region altogether. So yeah. I'm super excited about the next few decades that For I sure. think the region has to offer. And yeah. in terms of the loyalty experiences we are going to yeah. experience, which yeah. are going to be unlike what we've seen in the last two decades. Absolutely. And again, just to acknowledge your incredible employee loyalty <laughs> to the Collinson Group. So two decades of work there. So And it comes through, obviously, in your passion for the whole sector. So um, It's funny, the, the, Paula, the thing is that, you know, I mean, a lot of people do ask me another question as well. How did you stick why? with one company for two years? And yeah. I mean, two decades and yes. why? Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, uh, when I got into loyalty, it was almost accidental. Okay. Um, really? Uh, yeah. I studied computer information systems. Oh, my goodness. And um, I worked in the U.S. for a year. And my parents, who were based in the Middle East, insisted that I come out and spend some time with them. Before okay. Before I'm lost into the adult world, and yeah. that's the reason I came back to Dubai in um, 1998, yeah. and um, I took up um, uh, my position with Collinson. Okay, and loyalty was quite in its infancy then. Of Collinson course. was just launching the first ever loyalty program in the region, uh, wow. Al Fursan, which is Saudi Arabian Airlines frequent flyer program, which still exists. Exactly. Yes. And, uh, and I was very intrigued by it because, in some ways, it brought all my sort of skill sets together. It okay. was the first kind of marketing initiative that was truly measurable. Totally. In those days, yeah. you know, you could have, uh, you know, people were spending still a lot on their advertising and the PR and the others, but were not able to measure what does that all of this do. Yeah. Whereas yeah. loyalty was very scientific. You yeah. could measure it. Yeah. You did one communication, you would see the results. Yeah. You know, you have members, you could see member versus non-member spend. So it was very, yeah. uh, and that excited me. And uh, given my background in computers and then my yeah. uh, minors in finance and marketing, it just played to my uh, to to all those trends and got me wow. very excited. Yeah. Um, so the first decade was really, uh, you know, launching the first ever airline program, the first ever hotel program, the first ever financial services and the retail program. Wow. And um, what I really, really enjoyed was in this region, yes. it never came from the marketing department. Yeah. It came straight from the CEO's office. Super. Yeah. So it came straight from the top where the CEO said, I want a loyalty program. The yeah. chairman of the company was involved in what the name should be and yeah. what the thing should be. And I think that has led to the success of so many programs over here. Okay. In many other parts of the world, you hear about programs starting yeah. and failing, yeah. but you don't hear about that in Middle East. In That's Middle true. East, it's I launched yeah. and I relaunched to yeah. the next level of the program yeah, so yeah. so I think that's really what has kept me excited okay. that, that the first decade of my career was really working with such lovely brands and doing such fantastic things Yes. and the second decade of the career was really Collinson Group and the way we're innovating you know mm. even with um uh, many don't know that uh, Collinson Group covers a number of different kinds of businesses. So loyalty is obviously to the center of our business and customer engagement is yeah. central to it. Yeah. But we've got a very large medical and assistance business as okay. well. Oh. And um, uh, with the pandemic, uh, yeah. as an example, we um, uh, we used that business to set up testing at the airports. The PCR uh, testing, I saw that. Yeah. So now we've yeah. got, you know, testing at um, uh, at the airports uh, in, in the UK. We've got, yes. uh, we've recently launched our testing service 
service in Dallas, Fort Worth Airport, wow. and two locations and many yeah. more coming in. So being at that center of innovation, you know, has mm-hmm. always just made me think that why would you leave all of this? <laughs> you know, it's like a startup every few years. You've exactly. got something totally new you to know, do. It's, it, there's just so much yeah. excitement around it and everything. And now we are at the cusp of the new age of loyalty. Where totally. We're talking about um, uh, the non-traditional programs about, you know, uh, creating, you applying blockchain about yes. NFTs and the others, which is another topic in itself, which I'm sure we <laughs> we'll will take up another time. We'll need a full show about that, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, so, you, yeah, so I think that that's what really, really keeps me excited and wanting yeah. to sort of, you know, um, continue yeah. being Absolutely. in this space. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, we definitely share that value as well, Priyanka, because I've always described myself as a commercial marketeer. Yeah. So I started in kind of direct mail and that kind of, you know, the promotional style stuff. But like that, I couldn't understand the, you know, people doing the TV ads and stuff. I couldn't sleep at night <laughs> if I was spending that and I couldn't say, and here's the return. So um, so yeah. we definitely share that. Yeah. So for people who want to get in touch with you, Priyanka, is it best to, to, to look you up on LinkedIn or, or what's the best place to connect with you? Um, so um, obviously the Collinson Group website, you yes. know, um, please, um, you know, anybody who wants to know more about Collinson and all the fantastic stuff we've done with our brands, please do look up and, you know, um, there's an inquiry page there where you can send in your inquiries. But mm-hmm. at the same time, yes. I'm very active on LinkedIn. So should you want to connect with me directly, mm. just as a marketer to marketer and wanting to chat about something, I'm more than happy to do so as well. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, that's incredible. And we yeah. do, again, see a lot of each other's stuff on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So I will just say Priyanka Lakani, Director for South Asia, Commercial Director, Middle East and Africa at the Collinson Group. Thank you so much. Let's talk loyalty. Thank you, Paula. It was lovely chatting with you. This show is sponsored by The Wise Marketeer, the world's most popular source of loyalty marketing news, insights, and research. The Wise Marketeer also offers loyalty marketing training through its Loyalty Academy, which has already certified over 170 executives in 20 countries as certified loyalty marketing professionals. For more information, check out thewisemarketeer.com and loyaltyacademy.org. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. If you'd like me to send you the latest show each week, simply sign up for the show newsletter on letstalkloyalty.com and I'll send you the latest episode to your inbox every Thursday. Or just head to your favorite podcast platform, find Let's Talk Loyalty and subscribe. Of course, I'd love your feedback and reviews and thanks again for supporting the show.